It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Quickly warming up outside. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Yeah, we had to deal with a little bit of rain the last few days to get to this point. But it's going to be sunny for your Independence Day plans today and tomorrow. It's Ashley Frasca. You're listening to Green and Growing right here on 95.5 WSB. You know, I so enjoy this show, and I do. I take all week to put it together. After my traffic shift every morning, I, I do a little bit of work for the show, do show prep and research and talk to friends and so many contributors to the show that I know I could not do the show without them. And I couldn't do it without you and your great call, calls and encouragement, your questions. And we're going to be doing just that, 404-872-0750. But I have so many experts and just really well-respected people in their respective industries uh, help and call it on the show and weigh in. And one of those people that has always helped with the show, and we just lost her, Mickey Gasaway. Wow, that was a heck of an introduction. So <laughs> Mickey's calling back. We're going to get her back on the line. Uh, but a long career with Pike Nurseries. You can find her at the West Cobb location, and um, she is just beloved by her customers and by the Pike Nursery family. Mickey, are you there? Okay. Awesome. We're 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 gonna we're gonna get this eventually. So four oh four eight seven two zero seven fifty. That's an introduction. Mickey Gazaway will be with us shortly, but right now we're gonna talk to Alex. Alex, you've been patiently waiting. Good morning, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Ashley. Hey, so what how can we help? Hey, yeah, I got just got a vegetable garden at my home and uh just trying to figure out what product is the best for snake bugs. Um, spray on vegetables. And so you know for sure you've got stink bugs. And for those folks that may not know, a stink bug is kind of that grayish brown, a decent sized little guy. Um, he doesn't have a rounded body like a beetle, but like a shield. Like his body is kind of a shield shape, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so treating stink bugs. So we've got Mickey Gasway finally on the line with us too. Mickey, hey, good morning. Hey, Mickey, are you there? All right. I heard so, yeah, Alex. Sorry, I was going to try to have Mickey weigh in on this too. So stink bugs. One of the easiest ways, and I know this kind of isn't what we want to hear, but picking them off, manually removing them. But they do. They put their snouts into fruits, into vegetables, and things like that. So we really have a tough time controlling stink bugs. We've lost Alex, but I hope he's still listening. So the body is more of a shield shape, that kind of thing. Um, they don't hurt vines or anything like that, but they do put their little snouts in there, and you'll see holes um, you know, in different fruits and vegetables. So there are garden insecticides that you're able to use safely um, that are going to be organic, that are good for treatment like that. Mickey, are you with us now? Yes, I, can you hear me now? Yes, I certainly can. So helping <laughs> Alex with stink bugs in his garden and, I mean, some organic insecticides that we're able to use to I repel love those. Captain Jack's. Captain Jack's dead it, bug brew. That's spinosed, a good one. It's spinosed, mm -hmm. and it works great. And so talk about the application of that because, you know, you, you do have to read the label on these products. And even though they're organic, I mean, that's fine. But still reading the label and knowing, you know, how soon up to harvest you can use a lot of insecticides yes. and something organic. You know, always, you can use pretty always soon. Always read the directions. Mm -hmm. but and, so, you know, spinosad comes from a rum factory in Puerto Rico. Isn't that So fun. they die happy. 
but so talk about the application it is a liquid yes yes Mm -hmm. and it comes in a spray bottle or in a a, um, concentrate Mm -hmm. so spinosad alex that's going to be the active ingredient and something like that um, really good for insect or uh, for treating stink bugs and some other things. And Mickey talking about, you know, Alex is proud of his squash um, and, you know, so many other things. You harvested some squash as well, so that's ready. But we've got vine, you know, the squash vine borer, and we've got kudzu yeah. bugs, stink bugs, all kinds of things. So really staying ahead of that. How many of those insects um, in the vegetable garden are large enough to where we can see them and maybe manually remove them and, you know, pick them off by hand. Well, now the squash bugs are big enough, mm-hmm. but they are so many of them. Right. You'd be out there all day. I, <laughs> you know, I have but they don't do enough damage on men. So I usually just, I, you know, knock them off, but I don't do much damage. Interesting. So talk about what you have harvested. You and I talked off offline squash. You're ready to do that. Got tons of squash. I have given away squash. If people slow down in front of my house, I throw the squash in their car. <laughs> We've got so much squash. We've got tons of zucchini and tons of cucumbers. And I'm getting I'm getting a lot of tomatoes, but I'm getting they're not ripening except the little ones. The little cherry type tomatoes are ripening. Mm-hmm. But the other ones have not started to ripen yet. And I, I think it's because of the heat. I don't know. They say if it gets above 85 degrees, they don't like to. We don't get enough carotene, so they don't like it. Yeah, that's going to slow the process. And we also have to look out for the cracking, right, where they where they come off of the vine, making sure that they don't start cracking because of the dry, wet, dry, dry wet, wet, and dry, that heat wet. stress as well. Well, I, that has not been a problem at my house. Good. But, uh, um, so far. And, you know, I had some fun segment, Mickey, um, a couple of weeks ago with coworkers, right? I've got these four coworkers yeah, that are doing that. The, the tomato contest. And so we talked about even just helping, uh, helping your tomatoes along and helping them ripen. And traditionally, it's nothing's wrong with it, but, you know, picking them when they're still kind of that orangey color so that way you're at least getting to them sooner than bugs or critters or something else can and the uh, traditional way maybe putting them on the windowsill and letting them ripen that way but what are your thoughts about putting them in a brown paper bag sealing that up pretty tight and helping that you know expedite the ripening process i have heard of people doing that i usually just stick them in my pantry where it's dark and usually it's not and they ripen right up but i don't ever if you pick them before they start turning orange they don't taste like they do if you but once they start turning orange and i put them up then they taste just like vine ripened tomatoes Mm -hmm. but i haven't tried to put them in a bag but i've put them in the dark so i guess it's the same thing yeah and like you said too um if they're still green you know that's obviously too soon we don't want to pick them off the vine at that point they still need all of that sunlight and the nutrients from the plant to help get them a little bit further along so um squash and zucchini it's pretty obvious Mickey, when to harvest those. Uh, but what are some trickier ones? Maybe folks that are dealing with okra or something different that they may not know. What What's well, the sign to look for of when it's ready to harvest? Well, just when they get, if you let the okra get too big, and it like everything else, it, you know, you turn away and it's three times as big as it was the day. Squash are the words, zucchini. One day they look like a zucchini and the next day they look like a watermelon. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, but with the okra, they they grow fast too, and when they get too big, 
you know, maybe I've got little hands, but if they get three-fourths of the size of my hand length, then they're um, they, they're tough. They're not good. So I like to pick them when they're small. To me, they're really – and, you know, okra is in the same family as hibiscus and cotton. They're all three same family, and so they're very heavy feeders. Mm-hmm. So be sure and feed them good. That's good. That's good. Um, all right, we have a question, maybe a, another question about tomatoes. This one from Charles. You want to tackle this one with me, Mickey? I'll try. All right. Charles, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. How are y'all? So I love your question. Your question kind of made me chuckle. <laughs> what you got for us? The, the, the bottom of my, of my tomatoes are, are, are rotten. And they'll, they'll turn red and orange, and then the, the, the bottom will just be plum rotten. So the only reason I laugh, and I hate that that is happening to you, but the only reason I laugh is because when I was a kid, all the cartoons that I watched, Rotten Tomatoes, you throw them at somebody, right? (laughs) Exactly. You throw them at a bad comedian and boo, you know, but no, Charles does not want that. So Charles, first of all, what you have is blossom end rot because that's where the flower was. So it's the blossom end of the tomato that's rotting out. At what stage do you realize that's happening, Charles? Like how quickly do you start to see that? Who's the turn orange? Yep. Okay. So, Mickey, we are so familiar with blossom end rot. Yeah. Now that has to do with the calcium. Yeah. In there, and you can use you can spray. There's a spray that you can use. It's called I think it's blossom spray or something like that. I can't remember the name of it. But it the what happens is the blossom doesn't detach, and that's what makes it do that. So there are products, and you you read the label as to when you know, when when to apply that product and when it's going to be most effective. But there's also two schools of thought, too, um, because, like you said, a calcium deficiency, and that's what a lot of people think, and I think traditionally that's just kind of been understood that that's it. But there's also something else going on as well, um, and Walter and I had a really good conversation about that, too. So it may not also be a calcium problem in so much as also just uh, kind of a, a moisture problem, too, and yeah. it being irregularly watered. Okay, so Red Charles, yep, yep. so blossom end rot can also be brought on by that. Um, drought, high light intensity, heat, and then, you know, a lot of rain and things like that. So in that case, you know, environmentally, it's going to be hard to control. But as gardeners, we want to be most uh, as consistent as we can be in the landscape as far as when mm-hmm. we have control over how we water. Um, and Mickey, on the flip side, too, I got a picture from Michelle, and she said, why are my tomatoes doing this? And hers looks just to be the opposite. Hers looks to be this brown cavity actually at the top of the tomato, not at the bottom. But the top of are the tomato like is kind of... Are they like just one or two? One or two, saying? but the top is sinking in. So what do you think that is? Because that's not blossom end rot. It's the top end. The only thing I can think of is maybe it got too much sun on that tomato. Sometimes they'll get, um, like, um, burned, scalded. Yeah, sun scald, right, right. And I have to say one more thing about the, the, the calcium. Sometimes that wet, dry, wet, dry, you've got enough calcium, but it's getting tied up by that wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. Oh, yeah. So, so see, it's not flowing through the plant like it should. Yeah, yeah. So sun scald, that could be it too, Michelle, for, for mm-hmm. something affecting the top of the fruit. And you're also going to notice sun scald in a discoloration of the leaves, right, Mickey? We've all seen that. We've seen where they maybe have speckled yellow spots or one leaf on the, the cluster yeah, starting and, to and yellow. Yeah, and sometimes if you don't have enough 
if you don't have enough leaves to cover up that tomato, you notice how a lot of the tomatoes, the best ones are way back in the tomato, the plants. So mm-hmm. I think that's it. Yeah. So, Charles, thank you very much for the good question about blossom end rot. You know, do look for some calcium sprays, but also keeping in mind with what tomatoes you do have left and the plants that are still going to be producing for you, consistent water, you know, so that way. Let me say say one more thing. Sure. In the spring, I always mulch my tomatoes really good. I use some uh, newspapers, and then I use a mulch on top of that, on top of all my tomatoes, and I never get blossom end rot, and that's why it's because it keeps it much. That's a very good point Newspaper down first Mulch on top of that Because we want to do everything we can To prevent splashback as well We don't want the bottoms of any of the fruits Or anything to to get splashback You know, from the soil and the dirt coming up All right, well Mickey I'm going to need you to hang tight for me We're going to take a break Got to check traffic and weather And Dave Baker's entering the studio Yeah, you're about two hours early, buddy (laughs) No, I'm not late I'm right on time Goodbye. So, yeah, it's time to go to uh, Doug Turnbull in the traffic center. We'll be back with Mickey Gazaway and your questions next. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and inform. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. So it took me all of those five minutes or so to get Dave Baker out of here. The Home Fix-It show doesn't start till 9 o'clock. So I'm in studio with you. I got Mickey Gasway on the phone just for a little while. Mickey, you know how Dave is. Yeah, I Ooh, can. Now, I'm kind of hearing you double, so if I... Okay, this is this has been fun. Um, so I did want to keep you around because we've got one more great question that I want to tackle. So up next is Bobby. Bobby, good morning. Calling about bee balm. Hey, uh, my bee balm is... It, got really tall and then it uh fell over in the rain and i was wondering what to do about the um should i should i cut it so maybe should should i just let it grow i mean it's just all it's just lying down the ground yeah and there's there's a lot of things from those heavy rains that we saw do that my rose of sharon is a little slow to uh to branch out and some of those leaves are laying down uh, Panicle hydrangea leaves as well Or stems rather So Mickey I would say for Bobby to just leave it Right? Well yeah well bee balm I know if you've noticed the stem on it is square mm-hmm. And it's in the mint family So it grows really fast It's very aggressive So I think it's probably with the water It's growing a lot um, You know make some tea out of it Or something I guess And so many uh, things I mean, the, the, the leaves get saturated, and that's really what, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I mean, just the, the pounding rain, too, is what causes a lot of plants oh, yeah. to lay down. But once that weight of the moisture is off of them, a lot of times they will upright themselves again. Yeah, and especially if you, even if you cut it back, so of course, that's, it's going to put on new growth. Mm-hmm. But if we're not having a lot of rain, it should be more upright. And some of the bee bombs are really big. It depends on if you know got Jacob Klein or whichever one you've got. Some of them are, are bigger than others, so that could be it, too. And then there's some smaller ones. Yeah. But the bees will love you. So, yeah, so Bobby, don't and lose hope. That's okay. Well, Mickey, you've got about a minute here. I want you to tell folks how to find you. 
I'm at the West Cobb Pikes, and I'm usually there on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, although I'm not going to be there tomorrow. But uh, I'm usually there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I would just love to see all my old friends. I, I retired, and then I unretired. So I'm back, <laughs> and I love it. And when we're starting our kids' classes this week, and then we're going to start having adult classes later on, so we're really excited about I that. I can't wait to get back to that. So all of the information on the classes and even things to do with the kids this summer is at PikeNursery.com. Yeah. Mickey, and just an hour from now I'm going to be talking to one of your colleagues uh, landscape Good. architect Brian Albini and we're going to be talking oh, about yeah. all of the rain and, and the mud and stuff in our yards and really how to combat that and kind of do our best with design to work with the saturated soil so I'm excited for that I appreciate your time this morning Mickey and uh, as Mickey said you can drive by her house and she'll throw a squash in your car she's got so much of it <laughs> so that's how folks See can you find you as well you too Mickey I appreciate it 404-872-0750 is the number your call is coming up in the next half hour here until 9 o'clock and we'll be talking with Mark Banta CEO of the Piedmont Park Conservancy at 8 o'clock I have some exciting news for you and ways you can get involved in Piedmont Park as well, so stay tuned. All that and more, you're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Just after 7.30 in the morning, where have you been? We've been here for an hour and a half, another hour and a half to go on the show. Some Saturdays, my math is not great. Um, I believe when I started talking with Walter at 6.30, I had a very convoluted way of saying it's the second half hour of the first hour of the... But I'm awake now, and I'm glad that you are too. I'm glad you're here listening to Green and Growing on WSB. It's Ashley Frasca. You hear me do traffic Monday through Friday. For those of you still in the grind, having to travel in Atlanta traffic uh, during Atlanta's morning news Monday through Friday, here on Saturday mornings with you, it's always a pleasure. It's the highlight of my week. I really enjoy the show, putting it together. And occasionally, I'll be on on Sundays, uh, filling in on the weekly checkup. That is a show produced by Lens Marketing for us, uh, 3 to 5 every Sunday. So you never know where you're going to find me. But right here on the radio dial, 95.5. Glad you're here. Uh, a lot of great questions and calls, whether the calls are coming in to 404 8720750 or to the Facebook page. Um, if you're on Facebook, look me up Green and Growing WSB. That's the Facebook page and chime in there too. I get a lot of great questions. Um, and folks wondering about podcasts as well. You can listen back to all three hours of the show pretty much every Saturday um, by going to WSBRadio.com and clicking on On Demand. And there the show is commercial free. I think you have to listen to one commercial in the beginning. And then you can listen to the rest of the show at your leisure um, on Spotify and Google Play as well. We're a week or two behind on updating the show, so I'm really sorry about that. So the one from last Saturday, not up yet, but we're working on it. So 404-872-0750 is the number to get in. Glad to have had Mickey Gasway here in the last little bit uh, to help answer some of the garden questions you have. And up next, it is Ryan calling from Coming. Hey, good morning, Ryan. Hey, good morning. How you doing, Ashley? I am great. Better now that I'm hearing from you. What's going on? Very good. Um, I have a question about corn. So the past couple of years, I've planted it and grown it. Um, when it grows up 48 inches tall, it always blows over in a big storm. I have to stake it up. Is there a special way that I need to 
mound it or plan it, or how do I keep that from happening? Wow, that's a great question. And now, does it happen to all of it or not really? Um, most of it. Mm-hmm. So if you have well-draining soil, which you probably do, Ryan, if you've had luck with corn, you know what you're doing there. Um, do try planting it maybe like in furrows that are about eight inches deep. Um, anchor the plants with an inch of soil every week until they're about two feet tall. So really kind of helping helping them, you know, sturdy them up there in the beginning. Um, people have had the same problems. They just fall over multiple times. And yeah, you may have to resort to staking them up or kind of running a trellis wire. Maybe that's going to be something that's maybe a little more efficient for you rather than plant by plant. Um, what about that? I mean, just kind of like almost, you know, the way grapevines are trellised. Would that be something yeah, you could that, do? That's what I've done this year. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's really your only other option. But as long as you've got the well-drained soil that really stays intact, when you start off and have it eight inches deep, just anchoring, keep adding that inch of soil every week until they get two feet tall. Maybe try that from the beginning and maybe have a little bit better luck. Otherwise, the trellis is probably going to be the best bet. Okay, I'll uh, try it next year. Yes, well, good. I'm so glad you called. Are you? Uh, how are things coming along? Pretty good? Very good, yeah. it's uh, Everything's looking good. Wow. What else are you growing? Um, I have squash. I've got watermelon, cantaloupe, and uh, beans. And those are probably pretty easy in comparison to the corn, right? Oh, very easy. Georgia loves squash and zucchini. That's one of the easiest things, it seems like. And are you keeping the bugs away? Oh, yeah. They're they're staying away pretty easily. I love it. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for the call and for checking in. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good morning. You too. Thank you. And one thing, too, you know, telling Ryan to kind of mound up that soil, maybe an inch every week until the corn gets tall enough, that's something we can do to tomatoes, too. Because if you've grown tomato plants and you see the little white hairs, the little white fibers um, that come off of the stems, those want to be roots. So if you just keep mounding um, dirt up against the stem, those are going to produce roots that'll go, you know, underneath the soil, making that tomato plant sturdier as well. And when some give, someone gives you a tomato plant, you buy it from the nursery, you can literally bury that thing into the dirt up to the bottom of the lowest set of leaves. That's not planting it too deeply. It's okay because more roots will be created. Um, and kind of the same thing when you're growing potatoes as well. You keep having to just mound dirt over and over and over once you start to get the greenery from the tomatoes or the potatoes as well. And so that's kind of something to keep in mind. Now, of course, we don't want to mound dirt uh, on other things, you know, up around trees and things like that. You don't want to mulch, volcano mulch, you know, push that up against tree trunks. That's not an option. But for these certain vegetables and even corn in its early stages, that'll work. So talking about some of you visiting the Facebook page, uh, Green and Growing WSB, Alan did that. And this was such a fascinating picture that Alan shared. Uh, He thought it was like a weird growth along the trunk of his crepe myrtle and the, the trunks, the multiple trunks of the crepe myrtle, not very big in diameter. And he pruned it, you know, and, and crepe myrtles are so forgiving um, to pruning. And so generally they're, they're going to forgive you. They're going to be okay. Um, but he thought, you know, I don't know if it was the way I pruned it or something, but so what, what looked to be weird growth, it was new foliage coming on, but in clusters, like almost in little golf ball size clusters along certain parts of the trunk. And it had a very funny look and they weren't leafing out like they normally would. So I definitely did have to share that with Walter Reeves and Mickey Gazaway, and we kind of bounced that back and forth, looking at the pictures of these little golf ball size clusters spaced 
every few inches along the trunk of his crepe myrtle. Herbicide damage. Walter hit the nail on the head immediately after seeing Alan's pictures. Herbicide damage. And you've got to keep that in mind, too. If that's applied on a windy day or if it's put into the root zone of some trees, you can see leaf injury. Um, and so that's going to be a sign of herbicide damage. And also some of you very familiar with that happening to tomatoes, too. Um, tomatoes will show signs of herbicide damage with unnatural discolor discoloration of the leaves. So you may have some yellowing of the leaves from the inside, from the centermost part of the plant outward. That could be herbicide damage as well, not to mention just kind of curling, gnarly looking um, on tomato plants. So as far as Alan's crepe myrtle, though, it's really just a crapshoot, and time will tell if it's able to grow out of that herbicide damage or not. You just kind of have to wait and see. Um, So that was really interesting, and you'll be able to find those pictures when you go to the Facebook page. 404-872-0750. Next, it's Mike and Ackworth. Hey, good morning, Mike. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. What's going on? Uh, My question is, I want to propagate some uh, purple azaleas that Mm -hmm. I have, Mm -hmm. and I'd like to know the best way to do that. So that, my neighbor was supposed to be doing that for me. Purple azaleas, I absolutely fell in love with them. Um, I thought that was great. So there are definitely certain, you know, steps to take if you're going to propagate. So early July, that's the best time to collect cuttings from favorite shrubs, things like that. Very easy to propagate from rooting them. Um, So one is kind of an interesting method that that Walter had always talked about. Um, Cutting the new growth from the targeted shrub, like the, you're wanting to take, get a cutting that's at least 8 to 10 inches long. It's got several leaves on it. It's a healthy part of the plant. Um, and then, so what you want to do is you're going to have your maybe 6-inch clay pot or some kind of pot with the soil medium and everything in there. And okay. I don't know if you drink soft drinks, Mike, but a 2-liter bottle, uh, like from, from Coke or something, is going to be really useful to you if you're able to cut the bottom off and keep that top and the neck intact. So you're going to have soil in the pot. You're going to be able to stick the the cutting from the azalea, and you're going to end up using that two-liter bottle where the bottom's been cut out up over that to kind of make like a greenhouse effect um, to okay. where it keeps some moisture and things like that. Now, when we're talking about the soil, you want kind of a a one-to-one mix. You can do peat moss, perlite, or something like that with the soil. That way you're getting, you know, well-draining soil. Um, right. Poke a little, you know, a little hole into the soil. That way you can just t- t- put the, the new cutting right in there. Um, and do use rooting hormone. That's probably going to be, it can be done without it, but it's going to get it off to a little bit better start. Um, so dust just the, the cut end with the rooting hormone before you cut it in the soil. Um, does and, the rooting does the rooting hormone get old? Because I have some from about a year or so ago. Might even be older than that. And I just wondered if I could still use it. It's been capped up, but I think so. Know. As long as it's not been exposed to the conditions, you know, it's not sitting outside the house or outside the shed. It's been capped. It's been kind of in a dark, somewhat climate controlled area. You know, that doesn't that doesn't get too hot. Okay. I think it should be fine. Yeah, I've actually used so, things that are three or four years old. So I think you're good if it's just a year old. So six to inches. Six to eight inches long, new growth, cut mm-hmm. it, put the root hormone in, put it in that dirt, and put the little cap over it. Yep. And so when you have this eight to 10 inch, you know, cutting, you can strip some of the bottom leaves off, you know, just 
it, it doesn't need to expend any extra energy, right? It's going to have a hard enough time trying to develop the root. So you can strip some of the bottom leaves off that are close to the cut ends, but you definitely do want to keep some. Um, just, so have four, five, six leaves or two? or um, Probably more like four to six. Four to six would okay. be good. Um, Thank you very, very much. You're so welcome. So when you put that that cut plastic bottle just oil over the soil surface, keep the cap on. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's there's different schools of thought and like removing it for a while, letting it breathe, whatever. But basically, you are just creating kind of a greenhouse effect. So six to eight weeks, uh, the cutting will form roots. So you definitely got to be patient. Make sure to keep that soil moist. But it's going to take a little bit, Mike. So six to eight weeks, you want to check back. Um, you can definitely, you know, remove that that Coke bottle or whatever. Um, so about September is maybe what we're looking at. And then that's going to time out fabulously to help what is a to be a new shrub established in the landscape. Once it's September, October and conditions aren't really hot, it's not going to stress it out. That's going to be really good for you. So I love that. Good luck. Thank you so much for the call. 404-872-0750. Jan in Milledgeville. Always good to hear from you, Jan. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Yes. We recently visited some relatives in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and one of them had, it's either it's either a smoke bush or a smoke tree, but I, I think it would be a bush. And it was so beautiful. And my question is, can we grow that here in Georgia, and would it be sun or shade? That's what I'm wondering. You know, I, I have seen um, smoke trees in, in Georgia, and I think they do well. You're probably maybe going to be in a little bit better area uh, for it. And I'm trying to find a label for one just to make sure I'm telling you, you know, we're zone seven, maybe eight parts of Georgia. Are you eight? Oh, you're, definitely eight. Yeah, yeah we're that's, south of yes. So yeah. we're definitely um, eight. Yeah, that's what I thought. No, I definitely think that you're going to be fine with that in zone seven and eight for sure. Um, would it be um, sun or shade? Probably. It's going to lean a little more toward full sun, I think. That's kind of what I thought. You know, the, they had it full sun in their yard, and it was just beautiful. But, yeah, it's the most beautiful thing. I don't see them often around here is why I asked that. But, huh. oh, it's beautiful. It is. It's, I mean, in dark foliage on the tree, anyways, I'm not sure about the bush, but really dark foliage, those smoky blooms. And I think they are more showy, given that they have the conditions of full sun. Um, and, and, and tolerating full sun to the water needs are really low. So this is not a plant that you're going to be having to chase after with the watering can every so often. Once they're established, they're pretty good. So yeah, Jan, I mean, I think as far as our zone seven and eight, you're perfectly fine to try that. Just give it enough space. You know, they, they grow large and they're going to need a lot of room. And that is really the showstopper. That's going to be a focal point for sure for you. Oh, it is gorgeous. Okay, well, thanks for that tip. Yes, always good to hear from you. Have a great Independence Day weekend, Jan. One, two. Thank you Bye-bye. so much. 404-872-0750 is the number. We're going to take a break and check traffic and weather. And we'll be back with the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. I'm Ashley Frasca. It's Green and Growing on WSB. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me too, weekday mornings. Just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB. And we're on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Ashley. Covering around 68 degrees as the sun rises over Peachtree Street. And by the way, Peachtree Street here between Buckhead and Midtown, it is closed down for the running of the Peachtree Road Race. And you're thinking to yourself, it's July 3rd. Wait, what is that? So two days this year uh, to keep the crowd sizes down a little bit and keep everybody distanced as much as they can. 
Uh, the Peachtree Road Race is being run over two days this morning. It's going to be the exact same situation tomorrow morning as well. So APD, they were out there just after 5 a.m. starting to shut down all the side streets that come on to Peachtree here around the station. We're talking Collier. We're talking 26th Street, all that kind of uh Portion, not to mention, don't go to Lenox today around Lenox and Peachtree and Wyuka. A lot of that shut down in the finish line, which spectators are not allowed at the finish line. Um, but that is also really all blocked off around 10th Street, Charles Allen, all near Piedmont Park and such. So um, it's going to be a little tricky. And speaking of Piedmont Park, we'll be talking to Mark Banta here in just about 10 minutes, CEO of the Piedmont Park Conservancy. Can't wait to hear what's in store for them this summer. Some exciting things, ways you can get involved in as well. So stay tuned for that. And then, of course, Pike Nursery coming up at 830. And really, some of your questions have been fantastic about all the rain and storm damage. And, you know, it's laying over some of your the corn, like Ryan called about, or it's maybe damaging some of your plants. They're getting blown over. Uh, so I really want to pick uh, the 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 mind of uh, Brian Albini, a landscape architect with Pike Nursery, kind of about what do we do when we have all this rain and we've got mud flowing into the neighbor's yard and just landscape design really how to tackle that and deal with that. So all of that coming up in the final hour of the show. First, your weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing today and tomorrow. We're going to have sun. Don't worry about it being wet at all. A high of 85 today. So if you're running the peach tree, it is going to heat up. Certainly this morning just keeps getting a little bit warmer Uh, tomorrow. High of around 90. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. Love doing this part of the show for you, just making it a little less intimidating. Things you can tackle very easily in the landscape uh, this weekend. So first of all, keep an eye out for fungus in your lawn, uh, in the garden. Too much rain, high humidity, summer heat are all just the perfect ingredients, right, for bringing on fungi. So apply organic copper fungicide, maybe as a preventative measure if you've had powdery mildew or problems in the past. I mean, also BioAdvance, they make like a fungus control for a lawn. I mean, it's right on the label. Um, that's going to work on brown patch and dollar spot if you've got that in the grass, powdery mildew and, and a lot more. Number two, keep bird baths and feeders full and clean. You know, we're bothered by the heat. They are too. And check your hummingbird feeders. Make sure those guys get the nectar and the energy that they need. Uh, Insects and pollinators need help beating the heat too. Add small rocks or pebbles to a shallow saucer with water that they can land in. And number three, the mosquitoes. They're not letting up and you want to enjoy some outdoor fun this weekend. So first of all, Spray yourself with something, with with DEET or OFF or Skin So Soft or something like that. Just be smart about it. Sunscreen, too, uh, ahead of time, guys. But So to keep them out of your the areas that you like to enjoy outdoors, clean and refresh the water and the bird baths and pet dishes. Don't let just standing water hang out in the areas that you enjoy. Fill in depressions and tree trunks with sand. That's kind of a breeding ground for mosquitoes. Uh, and just consider mosquito dunks. They're very easy to find. Or mosquito pellets. Uh, the ingredient there is Bacillus thuringiensis, Bt, um, and that's used for caterpillar repellent as well. That's maybe where you've heard that before. But mosquito dunks are going to be pretty effective in ponds and water gardens, areas where you want water, and just keep uh, movement too. There's these products like in your bird baths too, where the water doesn't have to be stationary. There's little solar fountains or little wigglers that kind of move the water around and keep the water moving. And that attracts the birds actually when they see fountains or little solar lights and things like that, but also just the movement of the water keeps the mosquitoes out, but makes it a little more appealing to the feathered friends that you want to attract. So pretty cool tips there. All right. Great questions coming up. David from Tucker asking about lilies and Ruth and Jackson blueberries, what to do if she's not getting a crop. 
and a comment on propagating azaleas. That coming from Rebecca all in the next hour. Stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.